Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here again alongside Corey Pronman, back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series, and we've got real hockey. Corey just got back from the USHL Fall Classic, where he saw some of the best junior players in the U.S., of course the NTDP. we got preseason hockey going, Corey and I. We're going to talk about some of the best young players we've watched through the NHL preseason so far. And then we got some really good stuff in the mailbag today that I'm excited about. So a really good show on tap. Corey, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, kind of like you said, we, we're off and running now. It's been you know a, a strong two weeks here with the uh, NHL camps, and now the junior seasons are starting. Uh, as we're recording this, I think this weekend the QMJHL and the and the Western League is going to start. Uh, the OHL's much anticipated starts the following week. Uh, so we're definitely off and running here. It's going to be exciting. It's, it's going to feel like, I don't know how you felt about it, but I felt like the off season was actually shorter this past year, but I don't know if that was just because of how, even it when was, there wasn't it, hockey, it, it was short. Well, was. okay. For me, it was. For me, it was. Cause usually I cover a team that's done in April and instead I covered a team that was done in May, but in general, but, but I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's like chronologically that the draft was like mid July and you know, it, the prospect off season. That's very true. That's very true. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we, we won't uh, waste too much more time here. We'll just get right into it. You just got back from Pittsburgh, one of my favorite cities. Of course, I think you were probably in Cranberry where the Penguins have their practice facility. But uh, tell everybody about what you saw at the USHL Fall Classic. Yeah, I mean, the USHL Fall Classic, for those who don't know, it's a showcase event where all the USHL teams uh, will play two games uh, in, in all in the same venue. It's a great showcase event. Uh, for the NHL scouts and for college coaches to come in and watch players. 
on top of every USHL team, there's also the USNTDP 18s who will play two games to start their USHL schedule at this event. Uh, so it's a great uh, place to kind of get a lay of the landscape in terms of seeing who uh, stood stands out immediately. There's a long junior season ahead, but who immediately stands out in terms of the uh, the American prospects, and as well from the national team. Even though I, you know we watched them last season with the US 17s, seeing you know just in general how a first look at US 18s, um, and you know, at least from the USHL perspective, there, you know, there's a couple of guys that have second, third round potential. Uh, a couple, the two centers on the Green Bay Gamblers, Ryan Green and Cam Lund. We mentioned Lund before on this podcast. Uh, where if we're of intrigue, Green's a six one six two right shot center with pretty good skill, hockey sense, and competitiveness. Uh, had a, a fair amount of production last season in the USHL. Should, expected to be one of the top centers in the league this year. Uh, and uh, you know, there's some other guys that'll be of intrigue, but the the one among the non NTDP, we'll get to the NTDP in a second. That stood out like by a good margin was Adam Fantilli, like he top twenty twenty three prospect, top twenty twenty three prospect mid to Michigan. He looked like a fish out of water in, in some of the games I, I saw of him in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you kind of you know you go to this league, you're looking at a bunch of six one six two guys who don't skate that well, or smaller guys with some skill, and you know a lot of like mid late roundish prospects, and then there's just like this unicorn that's just standing in the middle of the ice, this six, two, six, three center who can fly as hands. He's making plays. He's easily winning battles. You know, he looks like, you know, he reminds you a lot of by field in, in this, in a, in a, in a lot of similar ways. Uh, yeah, he was just, he was just so impressive and, and just really dominant and some, not completely from beginning to end of game, but it, a lot of shifts, he was quite dominant. Uh, he should, you know, he should reasonably be in the MVP discussion for the USHL this season. And he's played for the Chicago Steel, and that, that's a program that has churned out really among the USHL teams other than the NTDP, just consistently churned out kind of in the last few years, top, top prospects. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you talked about, you know, they, they were the junior team for Owen Power, who was first overall. Uh, last year, and while I think a lot of the discussion for 2023 centers around Connor Bedard, the Regina Center, and Matvey Mishkov, the Ska Winger, there are some NHL scouts who think this guy will is in that discussion to go for number one next year. Not t- by next year, I mean 2023. That he's at least close enough to those two guys that he, you know, if he has a good year this year and then he has a really good year next year, you know, he he could push those two. Uh, just because the athletic toolkit just off the chart, uh, you know, you're looking at a guy who couldn't skates better than Kirby Doc did at, did at the same age. Uh, you could argue he skates just as well, if not better than Byfield did at the same age with the size and the skill. Um, he, you know, the, the question will be him with be will be the question with him. I think he can score the playmaking. I'm not sold as elite, although I thought it looked really good uh, last week, but. He's he's really intriguing, and I'm not planning him as like a you know a no doubt like NHL star just yet. We got to see how the next two years go. A lot can happen in two years for for both for Fantilli as well as Mishkov and Bedard. And you know their stories have not been written yet. But at the very minimum, he's he's on the radar as hey, this guy's got a chance to be something special. 
Yeah. When, when you're watching a player who's, you know, he's an underage player still at that event um, for, for the USHL, obviously <laughs> you talked about kind of the, he, he just looks like he almost doesn't belong in there. What are some of the things that you're, what is there a kind of play that, that he makes? Is it just the, the toolkit with the skating? Is it a kind of, uh, you, you've been talking about him going and winning battles with the high skill. What do you see when you watch him at, at an event like that? Yeah. I mean, there's just, there were just some shifts where he looked like he just overpowers other people with, because he, because he has the length, the skating and a puck game. Like you saw him like just some, one, the, one of the scoring plays, he just burns up the ice, makes a scene pass through, through a couple of sticks, sets up, sets up a goal. And it's the kind of thing after watching, you know, he, the steel play towards the very end of the event. And after watching games the entire week, you get to this guy and the kind of plays he can make were very distinct from everybody else you watched in the league that week. Turn 17 in about two weeks means he was about a month away from being in this draft, which would have been a whole lot of fun. That actually would have been more similar to a byfield when you talk about where the, the size and the age were combination. But uh, nonetheless, he's one to watch for 2023. Anybody else other than, I mean, you mentioned a couple of guys at the top there. Anyone else that maybe put, put themselves onto your radar at this event? Yeah, no. Uh, like I said, there's just some you know, mid-late round guys. The only, only other one you would probably want to know. From an NHL perspective, also and now a recently committed to Michigan would be Gavin Brindley from Tri City. Uh, another uh, late 04. Uh, they said just really you know, small guy, but really good skater, competitive, has some skill. I would say that's a guy for NHL fans to know, along with Green and Lund. Uh, and he wasn't very good at this event, but the Green, uh, the Green Bay goalie Eliash, who was the goalie for Slovakia at the Holinka, um, I liked him a lot. The Holinka, he's a prospect to know going forward. Uh, but that's how that's consists of the non NTDP guys. That is. And then obviously when you talk about junior hockey in the United States, it, it does start with the U S NTDP um, big group in the NTDP this year, both the 17th and the 18th. But what did you, who did they bring first of all to the, to the fall classic and, and what were you seeing there? I mean, it was all the right players other than Charlie Stranwell, who who's injured and won't be back now until the second half of the season. Uh, but it was uh, the full squad uh, there, I, I like this age group for the NTDP. I think it's better than the last two age groups that we've seen. Uh, I don't know if there's like a Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel at the top, but Logan Cooley has a very reasonable chance to be a top five pick this year. He's a very dynamic all-around centerman. Has every asset you want other than size, great skater, competitiveness, skill, hockey sense. Uh, I don't even think he was at his best uh, last week, but I still thought there were just moments where he, he did stuff out there that – made him look like a top end prospect with the pace he brings to a given shift, the kind of plays he can make on a given shift. Uh, he definitely stood out. Isaac Howard, uh, the university of Minnesota Duluth, uh, commit a winger. I thought was excellent. He brings a ton of speed and skill, uh, to, to his game. He can make plays. He can score goals, not the biggest guy kind of like Cooley in that regard. Uh, but I think, it, you know, he's an excellent, excellent prospect. It was very good at the U18 World, I thought, last season as well. Uh, and I think you don't really see a kind of those kind of dynamic, uh, you know, younger prospects typically commit to University of Minnesota Duluth. And I think that kind of speaks to the to the program that they built there in recent years that they can get a guy like Howard uh, to commit to them. And there are obviously a bunch of other guys uh, on on the NTDP. I think I think this is a deeper age group. I thought their top two lines and their top four defensemen in general are all very impressive. I thought Jimmy Snuggerud, the Minnesota commit, did well. Uh, Cruz Lucius, I, I thought did well. Frank Nazar, the Michigan commit, I thought was excellent that weekend. 
has a chance to be a first round pick. Uh, Cutter Gauthier, I thought, thought was solid as well. Uh, Rutter, McGr- Rutter, Rutger McGrordy, uh, I didn't really think didn't much, but he's still a really good prospect. Lane Hudson also didn't really, and Chesley didn't do a whole lot. They're two top defensemen, but they're both excellent prospects. Uh, and I, and I think the goalies were, their, their starting goalie, Silverstein, I thought was, was solid. So, uh, you know, this age group is, you know, we'll see how the rest of their season goes, but I, I thought it was a promising start for them. Just to go back to McGrady for a second. I mean, he's a guy who, when this group, this age group was starting their 17s year, he was very much on my radar as, as a high, high name in this class. He still obviously is, is a high name in this class. I, I uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me as of now if he was going to be a first round pick a year from now. Um, what, what are the questions with him? Is it, I mean, when I've watched him, kind of maybe the feet, but what, what for you would be the questions on McGrady? Yeah, that's the question with all NHL scouts with him is his skating. I think they see size, they see great skill, they see really good hockey sense and you know he can he can make and finish plays he works hard uh, I watched one of his preseason games versus uh, Muskegon and I thought you know he made a lot of hard skill plays in the net he created really well and so you want to react overreact to two games because there's there's going to be games throughout the year where he's going to play very well he's an excellent prospect uh, but his skating is a concern and it's why I think if you're him as a first rounder my guess is it's second half of the first round right now but he, he's still very much on that radar and then you just to circle back on Cooley, because this is a guy who I think is going to be in the top five conversation pretty much the whole year here. When we saw him at the World Junior Summer Showcase in Plymouth in July, you're exactly right. The word is pace. I mean, he, he pushes the tempo. He's got skill. He looks like a very smart player. It, he is a little on the smaller side. What I wonder is, is this a guy who you think can play a two-way role someday in the NHL? Or is this an offense kind of first prospect? I do think he can. I think his compete level is really high. Uh, I, you look at a guy who shows no fear attacking the net offensively. I think defensively, he's, he's rather solid. He, you know, he can kill penalties. He wins battles. He uses his skating to break up a lot of plays. Uh, I don't think he, I'm not going to project him to be quite this good because the player about to mention is one of the best players in the NHL, but I, I see him play a lot like how Braden Point plays. You know, Braden Point is similar size, but has evolved into an excellent skater. Uh, who is very competitive, smart, and skill, and I think you kind of hope Cooley can play that kind of role in in the pro game, despite his size. Because I think the skating and the compete are such major assets for him. I think you can uh, very confidently say that he's going to be an NHL center. And I among like the top top prospects in this year's draft, after you get past Shane Wright. He's probably the guy I feel most confident is going to be an NHL center among the consensus top names. Did you mention Jimmy Snuggerud when you were going through your list? Yes. What do you? I don't know a whole lot about him. I know he's committed to the University of Minnesota. I know he's off to a great statistical start, but I don't know that I've seen him play, at least that I can think of off the top of my head. He, I think four assists in two games at the Fall Classic. Yeah, I, I thought you know he was he showed excellent skill and playmaking ability. You know he said he was on the top two lines. He was on the power play. Uh, his feet are a little heavy, but he said he's got the skill and the size uh, to where I think he's going to be a really intriguing prospect and has a chance to be a second or third round pick. All right. Well, it should be a fun year to uh, watch the NTDP as most years are, but but some fun names, especially at the, at the top of the class this year. Yep, no, for sure. And uh, I don't know the next age group very well yet, but this age group definitely looks like a strong one. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's shift now uh, into the preseason because, you know, as much as it's fun to talk about uh, the, the draft, and, and certainly that's a staple of this show, there's some pretty high-level prospects who are right now kind of making their, whether it's their preseason debuts or they're making kind of their first serious roster push, or in the case of some kind of under-23 guys, looking to really take the next step as as young players in the NHL. NHL preseason just a few days old. The the, the team I cover, the Red Wings, is going to play their second preseason game as right before we're right after we record this. Um, but we've both had the chance to watch a few of these so far, and I know you in particular have watched um, the Columbus team that that has a couple of guys in Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinnikov that a lot of people in Columbus certainly are watching for whether they're going to really make that Columbus roster this year. Yeah, uh, I think we've talked about both of them a fair bit already on this podcast the last couple of weeks, but uh, I happened to catch one of the preseason games when I was out at the Fall Classic. Uh, Columbus was playing against Pittsburgh, uh, so, I, so I went to one of those games. Uh, it was a rather uh, young roster for both teams. As you said, Sillinger, Chinnikov, Chinnikov were there. Uh, Liam Foody was there for Columbus. Adam Bokfus was there for Columbus. And, and uh, Pittsburgh had uh, Samuel Poulin and Nathan Legare. Uh, so it was a good evaluation, and Pierre-Olivier Joseph. So it was a good environment to evaluate young players for, for both teams, uh, especially like kind of with the hype behind Sillinger right now that our Aaron Ports line has written about multiple times that, you know, the Columbus is rather high on him. They think he's got an outside chance to actually make the team. I, I thought he was solid at that game. I can't say I came in from that game saying there's no doubt he's making the NHL. I thought there was some doubt I left with, I think, just for the same reasons we've always said with Cylinders, that his skating and his pace is not the best. Uh, but he had some chances, created a little bit, got shots on goal, uh, looked the part. I thought Igor Chinnikov was probably a little bit better in that game, um, in part in because he did score a goal, uh, a long-range shot, as you saw several times at Traverse City. Uh, I couldn't say that either were true stand-ups at that game. I don't know if any of the young guys were true standouts. I didn't think Bokfus stood out. I didn't think Foodie did. I didn't, I didn't think Legare, Poulin, or Joseph did, uh, to, to be quite honest. But they all, I don't think any of them like, truly underwhelmed either. You know, I think Pittsburgh fans, we got this from the mailbag, are a little anxious about their farm system. I think you, I watched Poulin and Legare there, and they looked like solid prospects, guys with chances to play NHL games. Will they play it this year? Eh, you know, maybe by necessity. Um, you know, Legare, I thought, worked really hard. He he did what he could. I thought Poulin showed some skill and playmaking ability. Uh, neither of them are amazing skaters, but I thought they both competed well enough. Uh, so, yeah, uh, with, with Columbus, yeah. Cylinder's going to be a tough one because he is still 18 years old, just a, was a 12th overall pick. They're not going to be good this year. But they have the option, I think, to put him in the American League and not have to 
worry about the CHL issue with him. And that's so, because uh, he was drafted out of his his loan to the USHL last year. Or was yes. it a, maybe was it a loan or was it just a it, it was a transfer to my knowledge. A transfer, it, right. So then he's allowed to play in the American League, which is not something that most WHL picks would, would get the opportunity to do. Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure on that detail. It's because just because of the unique aspect of it. You don't usually see that ever happen. Uh so I don't want to make sure it pretend that I know that hundred percent that that's the legality issue there, but that's my understanding as of right now. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. My inclination is not to put him in the National Hockey League, not because I don't think Cylinder is not an excellent prospect, but I don't see the urgency there. Uh, I don't think he's such a no doubt slam dunk elite elite guy. Quentin Byfield didn't play in the NHL last year. There's no reason for him to play in the NHL this season. Uh, but we'll see what Columbus does. Uh, and uh, so yeah, and you know, we'll see how the rest of the rest of their camps go. Uh, as well. Another game that you and I both watched, this was last night. I, I didn't catch the first period, but um, I, I got the second and third. I think you watched the whole thing. That's New Jersey and Washington and a lot of intrigue on this front because you got Alexander Holtz, their their uh, first round pick from actually, and Dawson Mercer, two first round picks from 2020 um, that, that were in the lineup for them. And, and obviously Jack Hughes, a, a former number one overall pick who we both think is going to take a big step forward this year. Uh, I left impressed with really, you know, especially Holtz and, and Hughes, but I think, you know, Mercer has a goal that, that looked really nice. And I think he stood out to you. It sounded like in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. I think his not just in the game, but I think his camp overall has been rather strong. All the reports from all the scouts I've talked to and who've been watching him through this camp process has been positive as, as a guy who has skill and, and creativity, but also worked really hard and shown a lot of good details in terms of his pro level habits throughout the camp process even though he's not the fastest guy, I think you still see that he's able to play at the higher paces, uh, you know, good enough. Uh, I think you're seeing a lot of responsibility given to him by the New Jersey uh, staff during the preseason to see uh, how he responds. And I think he's been responding well. You're right. Holtz did play well. And that was, a, that was good to see, um, you know, good to see him, you know, create offense. Good to see, obviously the goal he scored too. And it wasn't just the points. I thought, you know, he was a little bit more engaged. His skating still not ideal, it's why if it was between him and Mercer for one spot, I would lean to Mercer personally, uh, but I don't think it's unreasonable to go either way with them. And, you know, this is a good exhibition for those two and Hughes. And then they had some other young guys there. They had, uh, you know, Nolan Foote was in that game. Kevin Ball was in that game. Not everybody impressed like, like the two first rounders did, uh, but it was still good to see them. And on the Washington side, you know, I didn't mind McMichael, didn't mind Hendricks, LaPierre. Uh, so, you know, you're just, you're not trying to take away too much from any one game, but uh, you're you're always learning for, uh, every time you watch a game. This is a chance to talk a little bit about McMichael. I don't think we've talked about him a enormous amount on the show before, but he's a prospect who I think, in, at least by your rankings, has kind of really elevated himself from where he was when he was drafted in 2019. Yeah, and I think there's going to be opportunity for him this year to play games uh, for Washington. You know. How many games we'll see? I still think for a five eleven guy who's not a burner, you know, I, I'm not opposed to him playing another year in the American League. But he has a lot of offensive assets. He's a you know really skilled. He thinks the game at a really high level. He has a great shot. There is a you know he could come up and play on an NHL power play. I think and he has that kind of offensive creativity and and scoring ability. Whether he's ready for the NHL pace or not, you know that's the kind of thing we're we'll to see throughout the preseason process. And if he get NHL games, we'll, we'll have to see how he handles that. But 
I would be on the fence to whether he to whether he's ready, but he was very good in the American League last year for a teenager. And the Detroit Chicago game actually didn't have a whole lot of kind of the at least on the Detroit side the prospects that I think people maybe would have wanted to see. They, they didn't have uh, Lucas Raymond, they didn't have Mort Sider, they did have uh, Kirill Tuchayev who who made an impression at the Traverse City tournament. They had a couple of guys who have already been in the NHL um, who are who are young. Sabrango played in that game. Uh, Michael Rasmussen though is, was kind of I thought of the under twenty three guys. Detroit's best. Lucas Reichel certainly stands out for for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, you know he, he played 16, 17 minutes, sixteen minutes I think uh, for Chicago. But you know he, not on the score sheet. But I, I thought you noticed him. Um, I don't know if you caught any of that Detroit Chicago game or not, Corey. I did not. So um, we're going right off of your opinions and how, on how you thought Reichel looked. Dangerous territory to be when we're going just off of my opinions here. But I, I thought, I mean, I didn't think he blew the doors off. And there was a couple moments where he noticed him. But but in general, I, I thought that game uh, was really just kind of defined by uh, both teams. I don't I don't think were certainly not in the informed to try and a couple coverage breakdowns. And that gives up some goals. But I it was not the the young player showcase game that you might have thought when you saw Detroit, Chicago. Maybe tonight, Buffalo, uh, you're going to see Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, Dylan Cousins. JJ Paterka, that you're probably going to learn a lot more in that game than than we did yesterday. How was Henrik Borkstrom? Uh, you know what, Borkstrom and Reichel kind of teamed up for a chance early, and I'm having a hard time kind of recalling what the play looked like. I don't think I'd noticed him for a, in in a big way for most of the game. Um, there was a play early that I remember them connecting on that I, they didn't score on. If there's a, a play that they, I think it was Borgstrom going to the back door and it got broken up or something, but I'm, I'm having a hard time specifically recalling it. Yeah. He's not a top prospect anymore, but he's just a guy I was thinking of, you know, he's kind of gotten a second chance here with, with Chicago after it not worked out in Florida. I'll be curious to see if he actually makes the team or not. And, and how his season overall goes, you know, obviously you know, he's not on the, you know, the level of some of their other centers there. I'm going to take Kirby Doc's job anytime soon, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I just, you know, he'll be interested to see how how he does there. Um, we're not going to go the, through the play. Everything. Was uh, I, I just looked it up? The play was so it was Reichel took it wide, beat a defender, um, and and got a really nice pass through actually right to the back door. And Borgstrom should have had a tap in, um, but Kirill Tatiya, who we just mentioned, actually got his stick in the way and, and broke that play up. But that it was a nice play from Reichel, a good feed to, to Borgstrom. Didn't didn't go on the net, but. Um, so I thought probably Reichel probably the standout on that play more than anything. Yep, for sure. A couple other teams I just kind of want to touch on with the with the preseason and, and the camp stuff. I'm sure some Kings fans have been anxious that we haven't talked about their myriad of prospects uh, uh, enough on this show. So I've got the kind of the, the there's been a couple of guys that have kind of been buzzing out of the Kings camp. Uh, one has been the Swedish winger Fajimo, who was very good through the prospect tournament and his early camp games have have been strong. He looks like. A guy who has a chance to make the team, kind of a well-rounded winger, good, good uh, speed, skill, compete, scoring combination. Uh, didn't have an amazing year in the American League last year, uh, but but the camp process has been impressive, and we'll see over the next week or two whether he pushes through. Uh, one guy I've been carrying a lot of consistently good things about has been Jordan Spence, uh, who is, would be a first-year pro this year, twenty-year-old defenseman, mid-round pick. Uh, not the biggest guy, not the most mobile guy. But a really, really intelligent defenseman. Uh, he, you know, kind of he didn't play at much of the World Juniors last year, but he but he made the team uh, for Team Canada. I'm not going to say this guy's going to have a 250 NHL game career by any means, but for I think they got him in the fourth round. Uh, the progress has been notable, and I think as a Kings fan, 
it's okay to be cautiously optimistic about this guy as a, as a fourth round pick, as a player with with a real chance to play NHL games. Uh, and then the other couple of organizations I wanted to touch on, uh, one would be Seattle, who don't really have many prospects. <laughs> Obviously, they've only had one draft. Uh, but one guy that was really intriguing from last year's draft was Riker Evans. Uh, some might recall he went in, in high in the second round, uh, was not what you would want consider a consensus second round pick going into the draft as a guy who was a re-entry uh, prospect, late birth date. Uh, but he played versus Edmonton a couple of days ago, and I don't think he was amazing, but I, I thought he held his own. I thought he looked like a solid player, good skater. He was competitive, made some stops, showed some offensive instincts to move the puck well. I'm not going to say he popped. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, he looked like a top 40 pick. Uh, no questions asked in that game. But, uh, you know, I was somewhat critical of that pick. And after watching that one game, and no, I'm not going to say I'm going to reverse my opinion, but it opened my eyes a little bit to be like, hey, maybe, maybe this guy's got a shot to play games. Or at least a better shot than I thought six months ago. One of the teams I wanted to ask you about, I think you've watched a little bit of them so far, is, is the Rangers. And partly because obviously they have a couple of the, the highest uh, drafted players in the last few years. But also there's so many young defensemen. And we we touched on this two weeks ago in Traverse City. Zach Jones, Nils Lundqvist, what have your impressions been there so far from from that group and who might step forward? I think with how good Lundqvist was in the SHL the last couple of years, I think it was kind of presumed he's going to walk in and 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 be on the on the rosters next season. But uh, when you watch Zach Jones uh, through the camp process, uh, he's he's not going you know quietly into that good night. I think he's he's played played really well and and he wants. To, He's playing like a guy who wants to be on the opening night roster. I didn't mind, and Lundqvist has been solid. Like I haven't minded him. I haven't. I think Braden Schneider may not doesn't bring a ton of a ton of offense like those two guys, but I think he's shown he can be mobile, physical, uh, reliable. You know, I, they have a lot of options there, which is a good thing. It's it's, it's nice to have too many good defensemen. Uh, so I think that's a promising thing. And I didn't. I, I only watched one of their preseason games. I didn't mind how Kako looked. Honestly, one of those games. I think they're gonna. They, they played them on a line with Panarin, and I think that might be the line going into the season. We'll see. The lines can change easily during the course of a season, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, I would say, you know, like I said, there's some really interesting things going on with the Rangers camp uh, in that regard, uh, and I'm really interested to see which defensemen uh, come out of that camp on the roster. Uh, I, I think it's not a very clear-cut, to, clear-cut who their top six guys are going to be. Uh, when they break camp, I got a chance to watch one of Zach Jones's off-season workouts earlier this summer. He skates with a group in Plymouth, and, and that group obviously has Zach Wierenski is a big part of it, um, and Will Lockwood, another guy who's I think having a big camp out in Vancouver. But but just watching their skates, I thought to me Jones popped a lot, and part of that is just his traits. He's got great hands. He's a great skater. Those things pop in any skate, and especially in like a summer skill skate set uh, skill skate setting. Um, but hearing kind of how he's done so far, like it doesn't surprise me because this is a player who I think is smart. He has the hands to execute what his brain tells him to do. And he plays at a fast pace. So even though he's not the biggest guy, like honestly, it's probably not too different of a package from like a Scott Perunovich, who's a guy we talked about a lot on the show. Yeah. And I think you look at what Jones did at the world championships last year, he played versus man. He played in the NHL last season. There's a very reasonable path to where he's on the opening night roster for the Rangers. I think. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the question is power play wise, 
like, you know, you're probably not taking Adam Fox's power play time. And that's the ideal deployment, like him walking the line and, and doing what he can do off the line is how I want to use Zach Jones. There's just not that slot necessarily on PP one there. No, he'll be on the second unit in all, in all, in all likelihood. And they've got, they've got options there too. You know, is Kako or Lafreniere for sure going to be on a first unit? You're probably all going to have one of those two guys on there. Uh, and you you know does does Vitaly Kravtsov make the team? If so, where does he slot into, into that mix? They've you know, they've got some really interesting decisions ahead of them in these next couple of years in terms of how this roster comes together. And it doesn't mean that they're for sure going to you know make the playoffs. It means they're going to be a contender within the next year or two. But I think you know these kind of problems are good to have where you start debating where these puzzle pieces are put together. Yeah, obviously an organization that's that's had its fair share of breaks in the lottery and getting Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin. But when you start to look at at some of the prospect depth they have, I'm, I'm really impressed with where things stand for the Rangers in, in terms of their young talent. Yep, I agree. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Corey, let's go now into the mailbag. And we've got some really fun ones in there today, actually, I think. We're going to start. I know we could probably be accused at some point of answering too many uh, Red Wings questions, partly because that's where uh, my (laughs) followers are. And so they always, if I retweet it, they're submitting it. But there's a lot of prospects in the Detroit system. I think it's fair game. Alex Barnett wants to know about Simon Edvinson's start and word that he's apparently up to six foot six. I haven't heard that. Is that true? I have not heard that. I I think every time you go to a camp, you always hear about how guys are bigger and faster and stronger. And sometimes it's true. Often it's not. Um, I, I think if you, if you go by that logic, I think every single prospect is faster this year, which I don't think is possible. But, but you know, the, that's just part of like the, the, the hype process. There are, but there are, are times guys grow. Uh, I usually trust essential scouting measurements, but we didn't really get reliable central scouting measurements the last year and a bit. So it's possible. I do feel confident saying that Simon Evanson is big, whether it's six, yeah. four, six, five or six, six, there's no doubt he's big. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I usually go off the central scouting measurements for when I rely on what a guy's height is, but the measurements have not been official for some guys in the last two draft cycles. So it's possible those could be off. SHL has him at 193 centimeters, which if you type it into Google is 6'3". I don't know. I mean, I, I, Elite Prospects had him at 6'5". I think he was bigger than 6'3 on the central scouting. So. All, right, all right. All right. Well, we, we can – Up know, in make, the air. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I deal with that a lot, trying to figure out exactly – how about his start? More importantly, his start to the season. Uh, it's been promising, you know, playing significant minutes uh, on Ferlunda, which has looked like a solid team so far to start the season. Um you always knew with his size and mobility that I think he'd be able to advance the level, be able to defend competently. But given that he has no power play time, the offense that he's showing, not only in the point production, but you watch him and he's making plays consistently. Uh, that's been the most, I think, promising part about his start is I think the question with him going in uh, to the draft isn't that he's not big and doesn't skate really well for his size. It is this an elite offensive guy or is he more like a second power play unit type of guy in the National Hockey League? 
I'm not sure he's answered those questions. It's only been like five games. You don't want to make dramatic conclusions based on five games. That being said, to answer the, uh, the reader's question, the start has been promising, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. And to correct by math, I'm pretty sure 193 centimeters is six foot four. We're just going to gloss right over that. Insert witty Yandel says, do you think Philadelphia truly improved their defense with the back-end moves that were made this offseason? And additionally, can young Carter Hart have a bounce-back year after an admittedly difficult pandemic season? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we looked at uh, Dom's uh, projections for, for Philly this season, uh, like he kind of mentioned it in the article, you looked at, well, Charlie wrote the article, but it was Dom's model, that the forwards all looked rather strong, looks like a clear playoff caliber four group, but it was, and the defense didn't look, you know, as a liability, it was the goaltending projections that had them outside of the playoffs. Um, so I think that's a, you know, keeping their goals against lower are going to be the questions. I'm going to say something that's very controversial to the internet. I don't hate Ristolainen. I think he's a good player in the National Hockey League. I don't think he's a great player in the National Hockey League, but I think when you're when it kind of, you know, 6'4", you're mobile, he's physical, has some offense, sounds like a guy we just mentioned the previous question in, in, in the podcast. Uh, I, I, I think that's a good player. You know, should he have been playing 25, 26 minutes a night with Buffalo? Probably not that caliber of guy. But if you have him in a 20 to 22 minute a night role, I think he can be a guy who has some success. I think Ryan Ellis is an excellent player too. Those I love two. that addition. The Ellis or Aristolainen? No, Ellis. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think Ellis coming out of Nashville. You know, Roman Yossi is the headliner there for obvious reasons. Like I won the yeah. Nor- Norris Trophy two years ago. Matias Ekholm is a great player. It's really easy to forget about Ryan Ellis. He's not like your big, typical, you know, crushing uh, two-way defenseman, yeah. But, yeah. but he's not a bad defender for being a 5'10 guy. Yeah, just because he's really competitive. Not the best skater for the size, never has been, but just super smart, really, really good competitor. Uh, has a lot of assets on the power play that can help them contribute offense. Uh, I know I, I really like Ryan Ellis. Like those additions are significant. Uh, the question now then turns to the goaltender and and Carter Hart and to whether the question asks can he have a bounce back season and saying this as politely as I can. There was only so much lower he could have gone. So I, I presume that he will he will bounce back. And I we, we are going to do an article shortly here where we talk to a bunch of executives around the league about uh, the goalies around the league. And almost all of them think that he's going to bounce back. Um, every All the scouts, goalie coaches, executives we talk to think Carter Hart's going to bounce back in a significant way. Doesn't mean they think he's going to become like a top five, seven goalie in the league next year. But the reasonable expectation seems to be something like a league average goalie, league average starting goalie next season, which would obviously be a massive boon to to the Flyers and is not where you know where Dom had him projected right now. I would say reasonable expectation is probably somewhere in the middle. I think if you get a guy who maybe sits around, I don't know, nine ten save percentage who looks like a reliable starter, maybe still has some things he needs to work on, maybe you know, still has to make some adjustments to the pace of the level, but plays well enough to make sure make you feel happy with him starting every day. That would be a rather significant gain from where he was last season. And given he's still young, there is room for him to progress into a quality or a good starting goalie in the years to come. Uh, what do you think? Well, I was just going to ask you if I give you an over under at nine ten, what would you take? 
I would lean over, but I think nine ten is kind of the baseline expectation for me right now. And given I'm taking he, the over on that because his first two years in the league, and I know he wasn't necessarily playing a full workload in year one, but it was nine seventeen, nine fourteen. This guy just turned twenty three years old. A lot of really good goalies haven't even debuted in the NHL at twenty three years. I think Shesterkin was twenty three or twenty four when he debuted. Absolutely, and I think that's kind of the balance between how good his first two years went and how bad this last year was. Where I think he was like below eight eighty or something along those lines. Yeah, it was, just it, last year though, like the the, the external stuff and, and the way that the the road protocols were. Like, I'm gonna bet the bounce back in like probably 75% of cases on guys who had a down year, just knowing what all the context was. There's some guys who would like at the end of the of an age curve, maybe you're buying it as they hit the ledge, but for a 20, 22 year old goalie is what he was last year and what they had to do off the ice when they went on the road and all the protocols, I'm taking yeah. the over yeah. nine ten for Carter yeah. Hart. Yeah. I just, you know, you're talking about a 30 point bump in safe percentage. I think that's, uh, you know, for anybody that would be you know, the greatest <laughs> improvement up, in 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 generations uh but it's still only a 0.05 bump half a percent half of one percent bump on his career average at 23 yep no for sure like i said it's he's a really tough one i can buy reasonable arguments in either direction we talked to some scouts who think he's gonna be a really good player kind of like what you didn't say anyway that he's gonna bounce back he's gonna look great there's no questions that we talked to some who are like yeah oh last season was really scary and we're, we're we're not sure about this one. Uh, so I think you know he's going to be such an interesting one to follow in the coming year. All right. Well, I'm buying on Carter Hart. Mike McEwen wants to know about Dmitry Rashevsky. I believe we've mentioned him yep. on the show already. But um, Mike wants to know if you see him making some like top 50 NHL prospect lists at some point this season. So, so basically, how serious are we about Rashevsky? Yeah. For context, Rashevsky was a mid-round pick by Winnipeg this past year. He was, I think, either a second or a third-year eligible prospect in the 21 uh, entry draft. It's gone off to a promising start. Uh, Dynamo Moscow has been one of, if not the top team in the KHL so far this season. Everyone on that team is scoring, including Rashevsky, who is scoring at a very high rate. I think there is legit skill there. I think there's a legit shot there. He can make plays. He works hard. The skate just okay. Uh, you try to take things day by day with, with with prospects. You don't you know elevate a guy from a mid round pick to a first round pick in the course of a couple of weeks. I, I, I hope not. You know there are certain things that move the needle a little bit more. Uh, you know, like I think the start to the KHL season is notable, and we're, we're recording this on, on September 30th right now. We'll see how his October goes. Uh, my understanding, from what I've read from about the national team, is in November when they when they when they break for the national team events, is to prep for the Olympics. They're going to bring guys to the national team events. They think have chances to make the Olympics. It'll be really interesting to see if he goes to one of those tournaments and how he does in an environment surrounded by the best Russian players. I think if he kind of does something along those lines whether it's on an A or a B team and, and doesn't look overwhelmed, I think you can start having some interesting discussions about how, how does he fit uh, into an overall NHL prospect landscape and has he elevated his way into a guy who you think is a serious guy to have a, an NH, a long-time NHL career. We're only a month in, though. We'll see how his next month, two months go, how does a national, potential national team appearance go. And then when we get to kind of mid-season, when I do a prospect list, I think we'll have better answers to those questions. So the be- unfortunately, I have to tell him he's got a chance, but but he might need to wait a little bit longer before we get to that point. 
Yeah. So Ryshevsky was an October birthday. So I think he's a double re-entry, but he will be 21 in like a week. So that's the, that's the age factor. Yep. Yep. That sounds right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Patrick McConnell wants to know about Matthew Savoie, another guy from this uh, 2022 draft class. He says, most people claim that Savoie skating is a strength of his, but you've mentioned that it's average or not great for his size. I know you have pretty high standards for skating, but what is it about his skating that rubs you the wrong way? If we want to call it that a- NHL average, just for people knowing when, when Corey rates something average, NHL average was really, really good skating. Yeah. And I probably don't talk to any scouts that, when they describe Savoy, we'll talk about him as his main strengths being his skating. Uh, some agree with me that the skating isn't great for the size. Some think it's good enough. Then another thing is a concern. But I don't. I, when you talk to scouts around the league, there's no one there coming back to me saying, "Hey, this is why I love Savoy. It's it's X, Y, and his skating. That that never comes back to me. It's always uh, the skill, the the creativity, the scoring ability." the work ethic. Uh, but I would say his, to most scouts, his size and, or his skating are part of the concerns. Why a decent chunk of scouts do not see him as a top five pick, uh, in, in this draft as not a universal opinion, uh, but enough see it that way that uh, I would say it's not solely my own opinion. Is it a speed or an edges or both or? Yeah, I would say it's speed based. Okay. Like I think I think I think he can pull. I think he's got some smaller area quickness. I think he can pull away from some guys. Uh, but I think he lacks straight area speed. Reminds me a little bit of kind of like Raymond Rossi Perfetti in that draft year, as a small, super skilled guy, uh, but doesn't have that that straight area burst. Okay. Uh, Guilty afternoon says, "What is one of the most common missteps or mistakes people make when evaluating prospects?" I thought it was a good question, and I think about the answer to that. I think will might amuse Max uh, in that I think historically, if you look back in the last 10, 20 years, it's not a controversial opinion to say that if you look at the guys who have been the mid late round value guys, it's historically been that you know teams have undervalued skill and hockey sense and scoring ability in favor of size, skating, and competitiveness. Those are not. Hard rules, a guy like Jacob Slavin, for example, could be a counter to that as a guy who's such an excellent defender, really good skater, not really a dynamic offensive type, but went far lower than he should have in hindsight. But I think you look at kind of a lot of like you know, the main like value guys of the last 10, 15 years. The Braden Points of the world. Braden Points, Johnny Gaudreau, Jake Gensel, uh, Nikita Kucherov, uh, Alex DeBrincat, uh there's probably many others that I'm forgetting, but uh, the, uh, John Kleinberg, those those tend to be all, along those lines. Now, that being said, I think when I see readers ask me questions, when I see analysis in the public sphere, I think it's the almost the exact opposite. I think they tend to overrate skill and hockey sense and scoring ability and junior production and underrate size and skating and competitiveness. I think I sometimes, as someone who interacts with both these realms really often, I see this uh, differences on viewpoints that I find very interesting. And I'm not sure which one is right, but I definitely notice the differences in those viewpoints. That is interesting. And and probably as with anything, like you probably take each side could probably take a little from each other there. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's just different perspectives and different realities that everyone, that everyone deals with. Uh, but uh, that's something I definitely notice from my interactions with 
Jim and I interact with NHL scouts very often. I also interact with our readers and I interact with, with fellow media people very often. I think for me, I don't want to belabor this too much, but one of the things I think about is I think maybe the public is almost programmed to look for the Johnny Gaudreau, right? And, and, and maybe the NHL has to kind of consider a little more since the, since it's their job. What if he's not right? And when, when the, when a small skill player is not Johnny Gaudreau, then it's okay. Well, what are they? And, and I wonder if that kind of accounts for a little bit of the difference. I think that's a huge part of it because I think it's easy. I think when people, you know, I, we went through these arguments with Cole Caulfield. We went through these arguments with a lot of other small players. It's easy to remember the hits. Um, it's very, you know, it's, and it's very easy to remember the miss, to forget the misses too. Uh, you know, we could go back through a lot of years and kind of plug through some of these drafts. And I can, pick out all the small skill guys who don't skate that well that you never heard from ever again. But when a guy like, you know, like Goudreau hits, it's like, well, why don't we just draft this guy all the time kind of thing. Yep. And I, I see the argument both ways, but it's probably not as uh, clear. Sometimes I see the argument being portrayed. Yeah. Uh, Justin P wants to know about a couple of guys playing in the Finnish league for the same team with JYP. What are your thoughts on Lambert's start and kind of s- somewhat struggles to some extent compared to Joachim Kemmel's strong start over in Liga? Yeah. I, I've only watched a couple of the games. I haven't watched all their games. Uh, I haven't minded Lambert in a couple of games I've watched. I can't say he stood out. Uh, Kim has been really good. I mean, point, nearly a point a game uh, over a half a goal a game uh, guy already in Liga to start the year. You know, for me, from from watching both of them, not just in Liga this season, but over the last two years, I think the gap has definitely closed on those two. And, you know, I've talked to some scouts who think Kemmel's better than Lambert. For me, like if you you know put a gun to my head right now, I might even lean that way. To be quite honest, uh, but it's, it's I think I'm not sure which way I'd go. But I think it's an open debate. Two different players. Uh, Lambert dynamic speed skill type camel more well-rounded player doesn't have as good speed as as Lambert but also very skilled has a big time shot he's he works really hard uh I think that they're both excellent prospects and it's I think it would be fair to say they're slightly trending in different directions I think Lambert's still really well thought of in the NHL community I still think if you had the draft right now he'd be a very high first round pick uh but I think it's fair to say that they're starting to go in slightly different directions right now. And just for the sake of HR, I uh, was not putting a gun to Corey's head when he said that. Just want to make sure we, we have that clear. <laughs> um, Brian B wants to know what kind of season would Jamie Drysdale or Moritz Sider need to have to leapfrog into the Calder discussion? This is a really good one. When was the last time a defenseman won the Calder? Was it Deline or did he not win it that year? He did not win it that year. Oh, uh, Makar then. Yeah, it might, it might have been. I can't remember a whole lot of uh winners from uh that word offenseman it's it's uh, very uncommon like, i'm trying to think of did ekblad win his year uh i think he did mccarr definitely won it in 2019-20 ekblad won 2015 mccarr won 2020 and then of course uh tyler myers won it in 2010 but you know since the 05 lockout those have been the only defensemen uh who have won it and a, you know, a common and those trend, two are going to have to do it more like Ekblad than they are like Makar. Yeah, and a common trend, all three of them, is lots of offense. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to not be impossible, but but that's 
what you're going to need to do is that you can, you know, Charlie McAvoy had a great rookie year, but because he didn't have a ton of offense, he never really prominently entered that discussion. Haskinen wasn't a finalist despite an outstanding rookie year. He even had 33 points in 82 games. He wasn't even a finalist. Yeah, so that's where it's tough. I mean, we could talk about whether they should be or not, but when you just look at how historically how the voters vote, it's offense driven. And, you know, is, is Sadr going to take the first power play units away from Hronik? I would, or from Letty? I mean, I think Hronik probably moves to the flank, and I think it's probably Letty on, on number one. Yeah, you know, Anaheim, I could see some opportunity there for Drysdale, but it would it would be tough. It would be tough. I think they both could have excellent rookie years. They're both excellent prospects, but it's really difficult for defensemen to win the Calder unless a lot of things line right. Maybe somebody you know hurts themselves or something like that. They get an opportunity for the power play, and then they perform well in that role, but even though I think, I think there's all there, especially for Sider, there's momentum to say he's going to win. You know, be a Calder favorite this year. Uh, the odds are stacked against a defenseman. The other thing is neither of these two guys plays on a good team, and and that I think that gets used against guys less in the Calder than it does in the Hart or maybe the Norris. Um, but I do think it still probably factors into who gets in the prominent radar, who's in the discussion. Like it or not, awards are in some ways driven by the narrative of the people that are kind of talking about them and ultimately voting on them. Um, and, and I don't think either of these guys is going to be maybe in the news probably quite yeah. enough to, w- without the scoring, to have everyone realize the impacts that they may or may not be making, you know? Yep. No, I think it's all fair. Yep. All right. Moving on to the next one. Uh, Brian C. How do you see, this is, this will actually be our last one. It, I'm going to do a two for here. Brian C. wants to know how you see Tampa Bay utilizing Alex Beret Boulay with so many subtractions to their top nine. And Christian S. wants to know, do you see a three-peat in Tampa or do the Islanders finally slay the beast? Yeah. So, I mean, with Tampa, obviously they, they lost some key players. And I think the question now is, is there anybody coming that can that they can plug in now along the lines of things they've done in prior years. And, and as time goes on, and, and Max will know from watching the Red Wings, as time goes on, that task becomes increasingly difficult. And eventually it stops. Uh, I don't think it's going to stop just quite yet. I still think they'll be an excellent team. They have the, the clear best goalie in the world. Uh, you know, Kucherov, Point, and, you know, are among the very Edmund. best you know, Hedman are among the very best players in the league. They have depth still in the lineup. And and looking through the farm system, you're, I think you're looking at three fours. You're looking at Alex Barabule, Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, and you're looking at Cal Foot, uh, who I believe was injured recently. I don't don't remember the exact details of that. Uh, and you're asking, what can they bring to the lineup? And I think with with Radish, Kachuk, and Barabule, there's some similarities of all being very talented players who are not great skaters. Uh, Kachuk and Radish have a little bit more size and competitiveness elements. Barry Boulay has been more of a dynamic skill, hockey sense scoring type who's put up huge numbers in the American League. And and I think it's – I'm not sure. What, how much American League did you watch last year, Max? Hardly any. Yeah. I I, I heard somebody – I hear somebody arguing about how watered down the league was. I watched a decent amount of that league and – I get that there's some, you know, the taxi squad impacted things to a degree, but I don't know if Kachuk and Radish put up a point in the game in the American League. I still think that was a really significant accomplishment. Yep. And I, I watched them. I thought they were good players. I thought they were guys. I think all three of those guys could play NHL games. Are they going to come up and have huge impacts? I would say the odds are against them. But when you have numbers, when you have three of those guys who have chances to help the team, 
maybe one of them breaks through, whether it's it might be Boris Kachuk, it might be Radish, you know, we'll see. But you know, they, there's enough depth still left in this system to give them a shot to extend the window. You know, is that still going to be the case two, three, four years from now? It's going to get a lot harder, but there's still some depth left in the system to go with the key players where I still think they would be, have to be an extremely heavy favorite uh, among the teams, whether you put whether it's them or Colorado or, or Vegas, they're, they're right at the top there in terms of the guys. I think you got to project to, to win the cup this season. I actually did pick the Islanders in our uh, athletic staff poll. I don't know how popular a sentiment uh, that will be, but I really do like Tampa's odds and, and partly because they still have Andre Vasilevsky and they kept their blue line intact. As long as they have that blue line intact with Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Chernak, Jan Ruda, we'll see if uh, Cal Foot gets into the mix this year, if they go with Zach Bogosian. That's still the best, you know, back seven, as it were, when you include the goalie in the NHL, in my mind, that gives you a chance every time. And then, oh, by the way, you add one of the most dynamic scorers in the NHL in Kucherov, one of the most dynamic players in the NHL in Braden Point, and a pretty good supporting cast that still has uh, Andre Palat, that still has Alex Kalorn, that still has Anthony Sorelli. Um, they're they're a top three team for me for sure, and you know they very well might win it again. Yeah, the issue is now what if some of those guys get injured, and that's kind of where the depth's going to get challenged a little bit. Uh, but I, I think there's still enough depth left here. Couple of years from now, there may not be, but right now there's still some depth left. I think they've traded a lot of picks, and that's the challenge they'll now face. Is they really got to become a factory, and they got to churn out these guys through their through Syracuse, through the AHL, and find ways to get those guys who can come in on ELCs. Because usually your factory is through your early round picks, and and you turn those guys out, and eventually they replace guys. They traded so many first round picks away, they got to kind of develop them now. They kind of got to do it the long way. Yeah, you know, flags fly forever. You get windows for a certain period of time. Eventually, the window's closed. You try to keep it open as long as possible. And I still think the window is open, not just this year, but but in in, in the next couple of years too. But it's going to close at some point. And uh, you, you do the best you can to, to prolong it as long as you can. There's major parallels between these last two years' Lightning teams and the Red Wings of the late 90s. That's your 97-98 champ Red Wings. And at, what you saw there is they, they went back-to-back and there was a couple of years where they didn't win it. And then they won it again in 02. And I think that's a realistic, like you'll see, I think you'll see them win one more. Is it this year? Is it next year? Is it the year after? Is it the year after that? I don't know, but Braden points 25 Vasilevsky's like 26. Like they're going to be able to win another one in my 27. They're going to win another one in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if it's this year or if it's in the next few years, I think they'll win one more. Yeah. I mean, you saw like how, you know, Pittsburgh's been competitive for an extremely right. long time after their back-to-back wins. They may, they may never have reached the top, you know, the top of the, of the mountain again, but the Tampa Bay is still going to be, I think, really competitive for a while. Yep, I agree. All right, that is going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Please make sure you follow the Athletic Hockey Show on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating and a review if you're enjoying the show. That really helps us out. And also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all the bonus content from our entire network. You can start with a 30-day free trial on that. It's just 99 cents a month after that. And, of course, right now you can save 50% on an annual subscription to The Athletic when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The season is starting. You're going to want to do that. Stuff's going to be coming fast, and we're going to have you covered no matter what team you root for. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.